Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Welcome to After Work Drinks, your weekly dose of news, pop culture and Pinot Noir, brought to you by magazine editors and best friends, Isabel Truman and Grace O'Neill. Coming to you live from <laughs> London. We hey. are here. I mean, I've been here for a while, but finally Grace has joined me as of like an hour ago. Yes, we finally reunited. It was a very beautiful moment in our new amazing headquarters at The Wing. Yeah, I flew straight from um, New York and Chris was like, where are you? And I was in the beauty room just throwing products all over my body. Powdering myself up. So it's been good. I still feel a bit like all over the show. Yep. I didn't think I'd feel so scrambled by the jet lag because I used to travel a lot for work and I was like, I'm immune to it. I can adapt to anything. I think um, it's also, though, a huge change. Yeah, it's like done me in a bit. <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> it took me so long to settle in, and I've finally settled in, and I like understand the tube system and know what's going on, and I feel like it'll just take a while. And I and I don't know if I'm making this up, but I said this to you before that I read somewhere that I think it's moving house, or like just moving, is mm. a bigger stress than divorce. Yeah, it does. It feels stressful. I I I went to Perth and I had an Instagram blackout for a few weeks. Mm. Um, and I felt really, really relaxed because I was just like not doing much, going to the beach, having long walks, trying to eat vegan. Oh, yeah. Are you still vegan? No. Yeah. Sorry. Didn't think so. Yeah. <laughs> literally, literally Haven't lasted heard about it for five, five minutes. minutes. Yeah. yeah. I know. I watched like one. It was like the most annoying person to you, like watched one YouTube video. And I was like, Izzy, 
this <laughs> is a serious thing. You're like, yeah, no, dude. Yeah, and then she was like, our um, when I get to London, our plant-based life will start. We'll make <laughs> salads. She was like, we'll make salads every day and take them to the wing and eat them. And, and then soups. Yeah. I still want to give it a go. Mm-hmm. I'll be a, what's the word? Fle- flexitarian. Flexitarian. Or just vegan-ish. I, like, vegan-ish. I love the ish. Um, I read an article ages ago on the Sunday Times and it was like the ish generation and how mm. people are just kind of not fully committing but being like I'm vegan-ish or I'm vegetarian-ish or I'm straight-ish and yeah. I like that even I though like it's kind of too. annoying. Yeah, it is like a, it's like very millennial but I'm, yeah. I'm into it. I know because I'm, I'm like, yeah, vegan-ish because I don't eat dairy or eggs or anything but then sometimes I'll have a prawn. <laughs> Which is just not the even vegetarian. Corn didn't hurt anyone. It's fine. I know. I just accidentally do it as well. Like you've got to be very, um, I don't know, mindful all the time. Like I'll be like, oh fuck, that was that was a chicken. And I just, <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> yeah, I'm like that with chocolate. We went to baked goods. Margaret River with my family when I was down there and my we I was like, my brother's a vegan and I was like, I'm going to do it, Callum. Like, I'm so fucking committed. Like, you have no idea. Like, this is me now. And we got pizza one night and his was literally just because Margaret River is like a small winery yeah. region. So nice there. It's so nice. But it was like a flat pizza with tomato base and oregano and that was all that was on it. And I was like, mm. I'd literally rather fucking throw myself out a window than eat this. Yeah, so the so – Last night in New York, so weird, <laughs> um, I ordered a Beyond Meat burger from the lounge at the uh, airport, yeah, yeah. and um, the guy brought it over, and I'd, I've never eaten the Beyond Meat vegetarian stuff before, and he brought it over, and I was like, excuse me, is this, are you like certain this isn't meat? And he was like, yeah, yeah, and he was just laughing. He was like, yeah, yeah, people always say that, but it's not. And then I ate into it, and I was like, oh, I understand why people like burgers. Yeah. For the first time ever. It just, is, it just isn't the same. Like, it nah, just isn't. A like, falafel patty is not the same as this Beyond Meat burger. Yeah. It was so delicious. Delicious as, I know. Fuck. Um, so, three weeks off. What have you been consuming with your Instagram detox that almost killed me because I couldn't send you memes every day? I know. And Izzy really held the fort with the After Work Drinks Instagram. I'd like to formally thank you for that. You did such a good job. She, li- she literally goes to me, I'm having an Instagram detox for two weeks, um, FYI. And I was like, <laughs> okay, are you going to mention anything about our shared Instagram account? I forgot about it until like yeah. the next day. Then I was like, oh, shit, by the way, can you do this? And you're like, yes, obviously. It was really funny because I, I went back on and had a bunch saved that I was going to post for us. And four of them you'd already posted yourself of we have such yeah great minds um yeah I did I did quite a bit of reading and watching I finished years and years which I just I know I sound like a fucking broken record but I just cannot recommend that show I watched enough. it on the plane oh my god did you watch all of it no because I fell asleep but I watched three or four episodes there's like one episode that will probably just ruin your year so why sad yes uh. Horrid, like I'm immune to sadness at the moment. I watched Marriage Story on Netflix the other day and I didn't even cry. I really want to see I, that. I actually, I lie, I sort of cried at the end, but that's it. And my friend was sobbing on the couch. Yeah, okay. So maybe you won't maybe you won't find this upsetting. It's pretty rough. But yeah, it's so good. I read an amazing book, uh, which I recommend to literally everyone, especially men actually, but men and women. It's by Grayson Perry, who's like a very respected English uh artist mm-hmm. like ceramicist artist and he's wrote uh he wrote a book called the descent of man and it's all about like modern masculinity and like a kind of it's like a guidebook for how 
the future of masculinity can look like a flexible approach to masculinity because he and he talks a lot about the ways that men are like enslaved to these really specific ideals of what masculinity mm. looks like and how they end up like uh worse off as well you know what I mean like the system fucks women up obviously but it also fucks a lot of men up yeah. too um and he I, like, I can't even think of specific examples of stuff that he talks about, but it's just really wise and enlightening. It's like a real skinny little book. Like, it's easy to read. And Grayson Perry is a transvestite. So, like, he's not trans. He's like, likes dressing up as a woman for, like, mm-hmm. a s- sexual fetish, basically. And he has an alter ego. Uh, I think her name is Claire. And he'll go on the red carpet and wear it. But it's, like really sloppy drag like it'll just be like some op shop dress with like a bad wig and that's like his it's kind of amazing so he's got this really unique perspective on masculine and feminine roles Mm. it's one of the best books i've ever read i loved it i want to read it i've just actually when you talked about drag i bought um the new vanity fair with rupal on the cover oh amazing and read it on the way back because they're so cheap in america i bought Mm. all these magazines i bought phoebe waller bridge's vogue and then rupal's vanity fair and i was like yeah, if you want to buy them in Australia, they're like fucking forty two dollars. I know. Otherwise, it's from like April twenty seventeen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And it was really interesting reading about Rupert. I had no idea how long he had been around. He's been around forever. He's forever. in the Love Shack music video. Yeah, what? Yeah, literally. I know. It's just the most iconic person ever. Actually, that's another thing I watched, which is like quite kind of random. But um, Paris is burning is like this seminal documentary about drag culture in the 80s in New York, like the drag balls. Um, and they reference it all the time on RuPaul's Drag Race. And I finally watched it and it's fucking amazing. And it was weird because then he talked about it heaps in his book, Grace and Perry. So it's like, huh. it's really cool. RuPaul's Drag Race UK has started, so we need to get into it. I've seen the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> that was another thing I watched. There's one called Bag of Chips. She's my favourite. Bag of Chips. Yeah, so B-A-G-A space me. Chips. Yeah. Bag of hot chips. <laughs> Um, I watched The End of the Fucking World, which we've both oh my watched God. and loved. That everyone needs to just like quit their job and just go home and watch that show now. It's the best new show I've watched in... It's so I don't even good. know how long. And I watched Atypical. Oh, is that good? Oh, have you not watched it? I no. thought you recommended it to someone. No. It's really, really good. It's about a um, teenage boy who has autism. Mm-hmm. And... Um, so it's it's through his eyes, but then it also focuses on his family. I'm only in season one, but basically it starts with him going to his therapist and he's talking to her, and then it narrates across like his day and his life, and it shows you it shows you so much about autism mm. and how he navigates life and kind of the way his brain works, mm. and it's just so interesting because I've never met anyone with autism before. And just to see all of the, the different, but then also it's like a very entertaining show. It's quite funny. Mm-hmm. And his like mum and dad are really cool characters in it. And then his therapist becomes a good character in it. And then his sister as well. Mm. Um, I really want to watch that. Have you seen this? It's something I, I really want to watch on SBS. It's called uh, Love on the Spectrum. And it's like a modern dating show, but with all people on the autism spectrum. And it's about how they like navigate dating each other. Looks amazing. Yeah, nah. I feel like we should watch it. There's a lot of like autism visibility now, I think. Yeah. This one's so funny because then he, because he takes things so literally mm-hmm. that his, um like his, his psych was like, okay, you know, if a girl, because he was like, this girl keeps staring at me. She's so annoying. Mm-hmm. And then she was like, she, she probably likes, yeah, she probably likes you. Um, so just, 
you know, if you like her back, kind of catch her eye and smile, and then he like smiles at her like this, like socio, like psychopath, <laughs> and then she gets real scared, and then he comes to therapy and she teaches them how to smile, like relax, yeah, yeah, and yeah. then um, she was like, you need to figure out if you like her or not, and so he makes a list of like pros and cons, <laughs> like Ross from Friends. Yeah. Oh my god, that sounds awesome. Yeah, it's really good. And then I started watching Wonderlust with okay. um, Tony Collette. Mm. You know that legend? Yeah, I know yeah, she's I Australian. Love her. Yeah, yeah, she's a Muriel's wedding man. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's about a couple who decide that they want to explore non-monogamy. Oh, cool. Yeah, I'm so interested in that. I know we always talk about it on this podcast. Yeah, I know. I'm fascinated by. I'm it. I'm interested in it, but I'm also just like a jealous psycho. Yeah, well, I like I like it in theory, but I think in practice. Well, I'm... we like it about us, but we don't like it about our partner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know I'm what like, I mean? I that's like the thing. We're like, I would like to anyone. do that, but I don't want them to do it. So that's yeah. like the whole thing. With, but yeah. it's, I feel like people are talking about it so much more. Even when I was watching this show, I was watching it with one of my best friends, Hannah, who lives here. And I was like, I was like, this is just a dream. And she was like, yeah, it is the dream. And more and more, everyone's kind of being like, it's the dream. And I'm like, why, are we, why is no one doing this? I think it's like, um, I think it's, I think the interesting thing about it, like in Three Women with Sloan. Yeah, how that was like an mm-hmm. open relationship. I think if you could make it work, it seems like the couples are even closer than couples that don't do it because you're kind of yeah. like acknowledging. I remember talking to Zach about like, um, what do you miss about being single? And we were both kind of said that it's like when you're in a long-term relationship, you like lose the possibility of something exciting happening. You know yeah, what I mean? Like yeah, you yeah. never go out. You that, that feeling of going out to a bar or going out wherever and being like, maybe something crazy will happen. Like, that's that's kind of yeah. gone, but you don't lose that, like, instinct of wanting it to. Like, he was like, I miss just, like, having, I don't know, like, a random flirtation with a waitress or something and not feeling guilty. And there's, like, nothing wrong with that, but it puts, like, a pep in your step yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, Um. So I think if you can be, like, honest about it and get to a point where you say, okay, this is how we feel, but we still love each other, mm. I feel like couples that can make that work are, like, even closer than couples that don't. Yeah, But it's totally. really hard. yeah. I think the hard thing, what I think I would find hard is that I'm so all or nothing that if I say if I was in a relationship like that and I met someone at a bar and, like, knew that I could hook up with them and start something with them, I feel like I would likely start to get, like... Because I get so obsessed and really into whoever I'm dating Mm -hmm. or I don't care at all. I'm either, like, I love you or I don't want to even hang out with you. Yes. So I worry that I would then be like, oh, maybe I like this person more than my partner. Yeah. And it's like a huge generalisation, huge, obviously not true for all women, but I do think that women don't tend to get involved in things at all unless they can see some kind of a future. Yeah. Or just it's more emotional, Yeah, I, I feel. Like the attraction is based in emotion anyway. Yeah. yeah. Like even totally. if I had like a one-night stand, I would still be like, I want to see this person again. Yeah. I wouldn't be like, perfect. Yeah. Off I go. I'd yeah. love to I'd love to think I was like that. Um the other thing I read, which segues into something I know we both watched, was Clive James, who's one of my favourite writers, died. Rip while we were on our break. And the New Yorker re- rip is a thing. <laughs> um the new he was like quite old. Um the New Yorker reposted his uh you like not eulogy what's it called when you like write something about someone when they die yeah yeah what a eulogy Mm -hmm. for princess diana 
and he wrote it obviously after she died in the 90s but they it's kind of one of his most famous essays for them so they republished it It was the first time I'd read it in full it's like amazing it's such a God, amazing so piece of writing you this. will bloody love it I meant to send it to you actually that'll um, be what'll get me with the tears flowing yeah that will definitely get the tears flowing anyway so this article he wrote about her it just like encapsulated her so perfectly but also touched a lot on Charles because he was really good friends with Charles and then became friends with her later and he was like I really wanted them to stay together and rule because he was he he speaks so so many people speak so highly of Charles and I think the season three of the crown which we'll talk about Mm. gives you such a different perspective on him Mm. um and he said that he's like one of the most thoughtful kind empathetic people he's ever met and that him partnered with her if they could have actually made it work would have been like the best possible thing for England but they just couldn't like get it together it's really great peace I love the crown I love the crown too I'm gonna say something very controversial I didn't think Olivia Colman was particularly well cast yeah I know what you mean I think as well the thing with Olivia Colman and Helena Bonham Carter. Yeah, they were kind of the weak is, links. <laughs> yeah, but like I feel like the thing about them is because they're such big personalities mm-hmm. outside of mm-hmm. their acting and outside of the crown, it's hard to it's really hard to kind of cut like think of them as that. Whereas Claire Foy and Vanessa Kirby were relatively not unknown, but Claire Foy kind of fits with the Queen's mm-hmm. c- character. Mm-hmm. Whereas Olivia Coleman and Helena Bonham Carter are just like they just want to get like on the piss and talk about how like their husband stole toilet paper from Buckingham Palace. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. This totally. ruins the illusion. Yeah, it ruins the illusion. And something that um, my mum said, which is true, is like no one really remembers the Queen young, so it's easier to believe. Yeah, yeah. It's easier yeah. for the like physical differences for you to forgive them. Whereas in this, you're like, okay, she looks nothing like her. Like, yeah. And we know the Queen at that age, so it feels like a little bit more jarring. Uh, but but I, I do love Olivia Coleman so much. I love her so much. It makes me feel upset to say it. Yeah. Like, n- absolutely no shade to her. I just felt like – I was watching it and I was like, I feel like she's the least compelling character in this. Yeah, which is so funny. Which is I crazy. I love Princess Anne. Oh, my God. Holy. A- amazingly cast. Yes. And Princess Anne is a fucking legend. Yeah. Unexpected legend of, like, the whole thing. I know. I feel like a- Anne is having a major moment in 2019 because yes. then she snubbed Trump. That video the... was amazing. Oh, my God. It's so good. And then I found out when she when I was watching the video of her snubbing Trump, and then I wrote about it for um, Marie Claire, I Googled her, and she when she was 23, someone opened the car her car door and tried to kidnap her and held a gun to her head and said, get out of the car. And she said, like, bloody right, and didn't move. <laughs> she was literally just like, no. No. And then she, <laughs> yeah. And then, like, they, they couldn't kidnap her. <laughs> she was literally like, are you going to fucking shoot me? <laughs> She's such a legend. She's actually so cool. Yeah. I've seen her. I saw her at Royal Ascot, and I was like, oh, Anne, whatever. And yeah. I'm like, I should have ran up to her and got a selfie. This is what I love so much about the crowd, and it's funny how the royals are probably like, too like snooty to say they watch it and they're probably also saying that they don't watch it because they're worried about like what might come out and if they okay, say they I watch it. I have a conspiracy theory about the crown. What? I feel like that they, they make it. I feel like they're backing it because I feel like it's so positive. So sympathetic to Charles. Obviously Charles is going to become king in the next couple of years. I reckon Lizzie's planning to abdicate and step down and they've needed to push out some positive publicity. Your eyes right now. It looks like you're having a fucking aneurysm at the thought of this. They're making us all love Charles. So when he becomes king, we're like, oh, that sweet boy who, like, went to Wales and, like, just wanted to follow his heart with Camilla mm. and that we're all going to love him. I mean, 
Well, do you know that they they've the producers have said that the they send them the what is it episodes before they are released mm. to watch them first. Yeah, which is funny because then they're like, we don't watch them, and yeah, it's like bullshit. fuck off, yes you do. Like, they're like co-writing date their scripts. <laughs> yeah, they're like put in another thing about Charles being sensitive. <laughs> yeah, Megan's just like you fucking wait till my season. <laughs> my season, yeah. <laughs> She'll play herself. She'll literally play herself. <laughs> They'll be like. <laughs> Oh, my God. That's really funny. But, yeah, so they, I just thought the actor who played Charles was phenomenal. I thought he was the mm. best of the whole series. Yeah, when they're in Wales. The Wales one was so a good. great episode. The one where he falls in love with Camilla. Camilla, not so well cast. Didn't really get a good, like, read on her. I know, yeah. I was like, why do you like her? Like, we haven't even had five minutes to understand her personality. Yeah, she didn't seem like... Cute, cute or nice no, or fun or, or anything. anything. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. I was like, what do they have in common? Yeah, you're supposed to like see this big chemistry and be like, they did belong together. But instead I was like, bring on Diana. Yeah, where's Diana? <laughs> and also like so random that Anne was bussing Camilla's husband. I know. Well, I was like, this is insanely red hot. Like that must yeah. have happened. Well, yeah, I, I Googled it. That's, I feel like, and Anne was just like, whatever. Just no strings attached. Yeah. It's so, it's so good. So good. Yeah, really good season. The one ABBA fan was so sad with the kids in the school. I can't believe that happened. We need it. I feel like we need to be more descriptive. There's an episode that's about the ABBA fan. I hope I'm saying that right. Like tragedy, which was in the 60s where a, literally a coal mine, Mm. it rained so much that the coal mine became like dislodged and fell on a children's school and killed like 200 kids. It's like the most horrendous thing ever. And when I was talking to my dad about it, he was saying that a family friend of ours famously when it happened, like drove down there with a shovel and was, like, Aww. helping them. Like, people from all over England were just coming over to help them. It's crazy. So sad. And the, cre- the Queen did fuck all. Like, she didn't go down to see them for, like, two weeks. And then no. when she did, she pretended to cry. <laughs> I was like, you're all right, doll. Like, it's not very far. Wales. It's like <laughs> yeah. a 90-minute drive. But I think, yeah, I feel like that's the thing with the royals. They were so st- stuck in tradition that mm. it almost ruined them. Yeah. Could you give or take the moon landing episode? Oh, my God, Prince Philip. I'm like, I just could not. Like, I know he's hot, but I just could not care less about Prince Philip. I'm like, God, are we really going to cry about him? I loved how when he met the astronauts, so they were, like, really boring. I was like, that's, like, and so just accurate. Kids, yeah, yeah, running around the palace. Just yeah. these American douchebags. Yeah. So funny. Great. Um, great TV. And then, so lots, oh, I mean. Segwaying from that onto to a Prince specific Andrew. royal that didn't feature <laughs> yeah. in the crown. I can't fucking wait till his season. They're just he's he's just been completely fucked off, hey. Yeah, so Prince Andrew, the Queen's reported favourite son, probably no more. His while we were on break, just like as soon Why as we went on break, he I her think. Favourite son. That's like I know. Look terrible at choice. Yeah. No, that we <laughs> the crowd. Um <laughs> But yeah, so his BBC interview came out like right as we went on break. And I think also, like, while it's funny to laugh at how ridiculous it was. To recap, um, <laughs> every time I see a Pizza Express here now, I'm like, I know, it's, it's so good that we like walk past Pizza Expresses every day. Yeah. Um, it's still also just like so, so horrible that he's sitting there in front of a BBC reporter in the palace trying to like deflect and say that he's too honourable and like just discredit all these victims. Like it's fucking hilarious the shit he was saying. Yeah, so so basically what happened was he's obviously got all these affiliations with Jeffrey Epstein Mm. and a young woman called Virginia Roberts 
we don't know how to say her married name, sorry. Um, she came out and basically made an accusation that she was trafficked by Jeffrey Epstein and Ghislaine Maxwell and that Prince Andrew had sex with her when she was 17. Mm. Um, and and this wasn't even a new accus- accusation. That just came out when Jeffrey Epstein was um, uh, charged. So this was like decades old accusations mm-hmm. that have just been pulled out now. Right. Like it's not like she's making them now. Oh, yeah. really? So yeah. it's just being yeah. like in this the public eye. Ago, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So basically Prince Andrew then did a BBC interview, re- reasons for which are like beyond like boggle the imagination. And <laughs> he thought it was going to go well. Yeah, he thought it was going to go well. And he literally just sat there for 40 minutes and denied everything, suggested that the photo with his arm around her waist with literally Ghislaine Maxwell in the background, Jeffrey Epstein probably bloody took it, yeah. was doctored. Um, that he couldn't have possibly have met her because she said he sweated profusely and he said that he, like, physically can't sweat because he got adrenaline shot from the Falklands War. Which and is... then all these photos of him went viral sweating the same year, leaving <laughs> London nightclubs. He also said it couldn't have been him because she said he wore a shirt or something and he only wore a shirt and tie out in London nightclubs. out in London, yeah. And then all these photos of him just wearing a shirt went viral. He's wearing a shirt in the photo. Like, I just can't. Yeah, and then he also said that, um, that probably the best part of it was that on the very night, 20 years ago <laughs> in March, that uh, she says she met him at a London nightclub, it couldn't possibly have been him because he was at a Pizza Express. In Woking. In Woking. <laughs> and he remembers that very night... Like, this is what pissed me off the most. He's taking Princess Beatrice to a party at Pizza Express. And also what he says, how he acts about it, how he's like, I remember that. And he's trying to, like, build a rapport with, I can't remember the reporter's name, Emily Emily something, and she's a legend. Um, He's trying to build a rapport with her and be like, you know, I remember it so vividly because it's so shocking for me. To yeah, he was like, that's Express. not the kind of thing that I do. So, pizza so Express is I would like... remember. It's just like Pizza Hut. Did you guys have that? No, there's no Pizza Express in Australia. It's like a step up from Pizza Hut. It's like like the grilled of pizza. It's like a Nando's. Yeah. Yeah, he's like... Sorry to insult you. I had Nando's here the other day and it was really bad. No shit. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Mm. Um, so yeah, he basically was like, "I would remember with a, with the specificity of the date, day, and time." Because it's so rare for me to go yeah. to a pizza. And train. then he said that he was too honourable. To... That was his greatest flaw. Yeah, and that um, he flew to Jeffrey Epstein's mansion to end the friendship. And that Jeffrey Epstein's oh, behaviour was unbecoming. Oh yeah. And the woman was like, he was a sex predator, <laughs> and he was like, well, yes. 
Anyway, it's yeah, like you say, everyone took the piss out of it. It produced some extremely hilarious reviews of Pizza Express Woking. The Guardian went to Pizza Express Woking and interviewed people to ask if they remembered the first time they went there. So good. (laughs) And the staff were told to give no comment. Um, But yeah, it is like a very serious thing. It's kind of like the seriousness of it has been lost in the ridiculousness of the interview. Yeah. Yeah. And. the whole thing, I think, especially that makes you be like, it's quite disgusting, I feel, is that his arrogance, it felt like in the old days where like the royal family thought the masses were so stupid that they could yeah. just say any old line and that people would like suck it up and not think critically about it. And it felt like he literally was so arrogant that he thought he could go on the BBC and speak barefaced lies in this pompous, horrible, arrogant way mm. and that the whole British public would just be like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Like, it's so arrogant and obnoxious. Yeah, yeah. I love so much that it was just it was just a train wreck and I love that <laughs> now he's going to be held accountable because beforehand it was kind of like, it was so weird that they decided to do the BBC interview now because it's kind of like it was dying. It wasn't dying away, but... It's been like six months since mm. that happened. And then they finally decided to do this BBC interview thinking it would like clear things up. And now there's more of a... I think what happened is because um, Virginia did the interview with Panorama mm. that they felt like they had to get one out there to give his side of it. But yeah. what happened weirdly was that the BBC aired his before they aired hers, which got a bit of criticism because hers was recorded way before yeah. Andrew's was. I think they did it so that they could get him though. Right. Because then, you know. And like, he couldn't respond to anything. Yeah. Because right. I reckon he would have, like, maybe pulled out. Yeah, true. She came across, obviously, as extremely. Um, credible. Credible, yeah. God, um, it's just crazy. On to another less severe controversy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Justin Timberlake. Yeah, this is an interesting one. So he is filming a new movie um, somewhere. Where is he? He's not at home. New Orleans, I yeah. think. Yeah. Um, and with a, an actress called Alicia Wainwright. And then, obviously, everyone already knows this story. But um, And then he was seen at a nightclub, really drunk. And at one point, they were holding hands. And then he kind of, like, he had, like, his hand on her thigh. And then she had her hand on his thigh. And mm. he was very drunk. Um, and then the photos got published. And mayhem ensued. <laughs> Yeah, and he actually issued an apology, which I found crazy. I was yeah. really, really surprised by that. I feel yeah. like, yeah. The video, when I saw it, I was like, oh, I feel like that's a bit of an I don't. I feel like the video isn't the thing. Right. Because the video is like, I feel like paparazzi got called or came after. And the, and what the article actually reads is onlookers who were there saying what oh. was happening before the video was taken. Right. So then the paparazzi came and took photos and stuff and they managed to get them touching. Mm-hmm. But then if you read the article, it's like people who were there being like she was stroking his leg and stuff, like the God. inside of his leg. And they, They're they in a very, like, visible location. Like, they're literally on a balcony that's overseeing, like, I'm doing this, like, huge hand gesture <laughs> to showcase how big it is. But I'm like, it overlooks everything. Like, mm. I don't understand how someone that famous could behave in such a red-hot way. Yeah, I reckon it's because they were in New Orleans, so not in New York or L.A. where they usually are, and because he was he was so drunk. He was, like, doing that thing where you're, like, you're like your head's, like, bobbing up and down. You can't keep your head up straight. Yeah, so bad. So bad. Um, I think we, like, don't expect that from Justin Timberlake. I think there's been a bit of a, like... 
I think the apology is a bit of like, um, what's the word? Like bandaging his public image a little because I think everyone sees him as a very moral family man. Family man. Well, he bloody released Crimea River. Yeah, Britney did it to him. Exactly. So I think that he's doing a bit of damage control on his reputation because. I don't know. I just feel bad for Jessica Beale. It's like such a shit thing to wake up to. Oh my god, it would just be so much worse yeah. on top of everything else because you'd already be like quite um, insecure if your partner was away with some hot up and coming actress filming in New Orleans for months on and end. Filming it <laughs> like they're a couple in the movie. Yeah. I find the public celebrity public apology thing quite interesting because I was kind of like. He shouldn't have to apologise to the public for that. Like, that's his prerogative. Like, yeah. why, you know, I, f- I found the whole thing a bit weird. I was like, why are you issuing a public apology? Like, you haven't done something to the public. Yeah. You know, like, just say sorry to your wife in private. Mm. It just felt a bit, like, staged. Yeah, it felt it felt weird. Mm. I don't know if, like, maybe she wanted him to do that. Yeah. Felt but like he was just trying to redeem his own. I also feel bad for this actress Alicia Wainwright I know the last thing that anyone wants is to be painted as like a homewrecker mm. in Hollywood yeah and you're first or like one of your big yeah and it'll make it very awkward like major all of roles. the publicity tour afterwards and yeah. stuff will be like tainted by it it's crazy how the smallest thing can turn into like an international news story it's just crazy I know and who knows if there is anything like actually going on but then literally like a drunken night out you're just suddenly like great that's ruined my fucking career yeah exactly and it won't it won't affect him no nah. yeah it's wild actually something we should talk about as well is the golden globes yes because that's just come out yeah. and no bloody women no women for best director um at all which is i think off the top of my head there hasn't been a best director nomination since 2015 and I think only one woman has ever won Best Director. That's so crazy. I actually have an interesting tidbit on this, which is that in I watched a documentary. Fuck, I can't remember what it's called. We had to watch it when I was at uni. It's like this giant thing about the history of cinema. And the whole first thing is about like the early, early, early days of the movie industry, like the 1800s. And when the movie industry first started, Um, it was seen as, like, this super, super, super creative thing, like literature or music or whatever. And women overwhelmingly dominated director and screenwriting roles. Women were hugely represented. And there's a kind of very clear thing of as the industry became more and more about money-making and more of an industry as opposed to a creative, like, endeavour – less and less and less women appear to screenwriters and directors. It's so nuts. Isn't I, that interesting? So like now now that it's like this huge money-making machine, you just see zero women. But it's not because women can't do it, obviously. I just looked it up and, yeah, in its 77-year history, only five women have been nominated for Best Director mm. and two of them twice. Um, and the most recent was Ava DuVernay um, for Selma in 2015 and only one woman has ever won, ever. And was that? In 1984. Oh. <laughs> Barbara Streisand. Oh, for... Yentl. Yentl, yeah. Oh, my goodness. That's mm. crazy. That's, mm. She's the only woman to ever win. Ever, ever win. win. Oh, I watched the 1970s A Star Is Born with her on my break. Oh, my God. It was really good. Was it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Jane and wrote the screenplay. And then despite a bunch of uh, women 
lead films being nominated in heaps of other categories. So Booksmart, Olivia Wilde, Little Women, Greta Gerwig. Greta Gerwig has been snapped twice now. Greta for, Gerwig not getting nominated for Lady Bird? Yeah, Lady Bird. And this is like crazy, ridiculous because it's like, okay, you could argue Booksmart is a kind of comedy. Maybe it's not in the caliber yeah, yeah. of Golden Globes. Like but Little Hustlers Women. got nominated. Like yeah. Hustlers is good, but Hustlers is the same kind of film as Booksmart. Yeah, Booksmart's probably better. Mm. But like you could maybe make that exception for her. But Greta Gerwig for those two films were like Oscar nominated. Yeah. Like... Highly respected dramatic movies with huge, family, hugely famous casts. Yeah. That's a disgrace. So uh, the Honey Boy director, Alma Harrell, she um, wrote on Twitter, good morning to everyone that's writing to me about the Golden Globes. I feel you, but know this. I was on the inside for the first time this year. These are not our people and they do not represent us. Do not look for justice in the award system. Wow. So she, like, for the first time is like, seen what it's really like and understands why it will never change. It's crazy how we still hold them to such high esteem as well, awards shows like this, when they do, when they act like this. Exactly. Well, that's, I remember like Jada Smith talked about that as well, where she was like, we, like, especially for people of colour, she was like, we need our own highly prestigious, and I the BT Awards, but awards system because this system doesn't represent us. Like, it doesn't represent our yeah. work. It never acknowledges our work. So why do we keep coming back to it every year? And just waiting for them to acknowledge it. And it's because, like, these systems are full of the same people that win, have won. Like, the winners from the past are the people who decide who wins next. So all the winners from the past are middle-aged white dudes. So their movies that they like and want to nominate are completely in line with what they make. Mm. You know? So. Yeah, and, like, the Grammys as well. Grammys. talk to me about the Grammys. Every time I think about it, I, like. Yeah, we just need to start a new one. Fuck yeah. all of them. They can have their little shitty Golden Globes and Yeah, Grammys I think and Frank Ocean refuses to, like... Heaps of people refuse to go to the Grammys. Yeah, refuse to even let their music be submitted to it yeah. anymore. Yeah, there needs to be a new system. It's Yeah, it's really terrible. It's, it's just upsetting, though, because it's, like, just change. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that is still... It still has so much uh clout to get a golden globe or to get an emmy or to get an oscar so like why can't the system just change to reflect people's actual talent like it's just frustrating i know but then i like it annoys me so i'm just like well it's just too little too late like why should we allow you to change now just and you because you're only changing because everyone's fucking begging you to and people are like not submitting their work and people are not watching anymore it's like victoria's secret Mm -hmm. it's like now they're changing and now they're allowing like plus size models and trans models and stuff. And they're like, here you go. And I'm like, no, that's too no, late. No, do that, yeah. Go away. Yeah, yeah, totally. We need a Fenty show version of the Golden Globes. Of the Golden Globes, yeah, 100%. That's so true. Someone needs to invent that. Everyone would, like, go to the other thing. Yeah. And get actual good, funny hosts. I think it's, like, a, a frustrating as well because you get something like the Emmys where Phoebe Waller-Bridge wiped the floor and then you really feel like, oh, my God, things are changing. Like, people are finally acknowledging it. And then it's, like, three months later six amazingly talented women can't even get a fucking nomination. Yeah. I do think T I do think T V is different to film for some reason. I think Hollywood still seems to be a lot more entrenched in the boys club situation than T V does. Like all of the T V all of the amazing women who are writing and being acknowledged for writing amazing things is in television. Yeah. Yeah, it's so true. Even with Fleabag though, I was like, I'm, I'm like I'm not sick of it now like I appreciate Phoebe Waller-Bridge and stuff but I'm like 
there's more than just her. Yeah, well, that's what the whole, like, tokenism thing is. Like, Malcolm yeah. Gladwell um, has this podcast called Revisionist History, and the first episode is about tokenism. And it's amazing because it shows how historically a woman... Do you love him? Yeah. He spoke at Facebook the other day. Did he? Yeah. Oh, my God, so cool. Zach loves him. Like, Hannah I watched, like him Hannah too. went and watched him talk. He's really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, this podcast episode is amazing. Everyone should listen to it. It's the first episode ever, I think, of Revisionist History. And it's all about how, like, in any field in history, the first person, usually, like, talking about women as an example, the first woman to achieve something, it tends to then be, like, an even longer time till someone else does it, like, because everyone feels okay about it. So, for example, with uh, Julia Gillard being prime minister, like, as soon as that happened, everyone was like, okay, great, we're not sexist, and now there probably won't be another female prime minister for, like two decades because yeah. everyone's like, well, remember when we had that one that one time? <laughs> yeah. And he uses this example of this art institution in London where this woman won this prestigious art award for the first time ever and then no female won again for like literally 85 years or something because everyone had just convinced themselves that it was fine and it's almost like things like Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Everyone's like, great, we're not sexist as an institution because we gave her three Emmys. Now and, we're and now sorted. everyone's grabbing her for everything. For like, everything like, because Phoebe it's Waller-Bridge like... for this because we've got a woman. Because we've got a successful woman mm-hmm. and it's like you feel like you've done your job now and then we can just go back to the status quo because we've, like, awarded someone. Yeah. And even, like, with Obama, but then things just went a billion steps backwards. Because exactly. Progressive. It ends up being... It ends up shooting that group en masse in the foot yeah. historically because it just lets, like, everyone who's, like, bigoted or backward or whatever jump out and be like, okay, 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 you've, like, had your thing, calm down, let's just go back now. Oh, so crazy. I know. Um, On another note, I just remember that I've got a couple more recommendations. Mm -hmm. I've been listening to a podcast called Dear Sugars, which I'd never heard of before um, until really recently, and basically it's Cheryl Strayed, you know, the Mm -hmm. author of Of Wild, Wild, um, and who Reese Witherspoon played in the movie, um, she and this guy called Steve Almond um, have a podcast. And I think basically he used to have a column called Dear Sugars and people would write in and ask for advice. And then now they've, then she took over the column and now they've launched it in podcast form. So um, listeners will write in with their like questions or whatever. It's kind of like Ask Polly or whatever. Mm. Um, or Ask Eugene, mm-hmm. our yes, gal. Our favourite. And... I know. I'm like, why doesn't Eugene have a podcast? Come to think of it. That's so true. Yeah. And then they answer listeners' questions, but they're so onto it with like their advice and everything they say and heaps of their, heaps of the episodes can relate to like various different things. So they had an episode on like sexless relationships Mm. where um, a a man wrote in and said that his wife – didn't want to have sex with him and then like they got Esther Perel on to talk mm, about that so cool. um, yeah and then they did one on they did like a three-part series on consent and um read out listeners like the gray areas of consent and read out like listeners stories about that and they had one on domestic violence and a woman wrote in and was like my boyfriend hit me once but says he'll never do it again and like should I stay or should I not and then mm. they got a um someone into like a professional to talk about that and it's just it's so interesting because heaps of them you listen and you're like oh this doesn't relate to me exactly but then their advice that they give can relate like across the board so good I I was listening sounds amazing what's it called again dear sugars dear sugars I listened to like 
four episodes on the plane just then. That's so good. Yeah. Um, and I love Cheryl Strait. She is so clever. Is she really cool? Yeah. yeah. And I liked even her like from the book because I I haven't read the book, but I um was listening and I was like, she was in, in the domestic violence one. She mm. said, yeah, my mum was in it. Like, my dad was really really violent mm. towards my mum. And I was like, oh, that's right. Laura Dern was your mum in the movie. Uh, like, it's crazy because yeah. you know. I haven't seen the movie. See, so oh, like, the movie yeah. is so good. Yeah. I rewatched it recently. Uh. Um. Laura Dern is having such a moment. Yeah, deservedly so. Yeah, like she, she is, is the fucking best. She is the tits. She's she is so, so, so good at Marriage Story. Oh, she's a Marriage Story yeah. as well. She is a fantastic actor, and she's in one of my favourite movies called Wild at Heart, and in it she is, it's her and Nicolas Cage, which is so random, but, like, she is just the hottest thing alive. She, in Marriage Story, plays, like, a Renata Klein character. She's a lawyer, oh, again. Oh, nice. But she suits that character so much. Just like a sassy, smart bitch. Yeah, like in real nice clothes. Yeah. Yeah. So good. Um, and Adam Driver is incredible in Marriage Insane Story. Insane. Laura Dern playing Reese Witherspoon's mum. But, oh, uh, yeah. Or is it like yeah, a yeah, flashback? Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> They're probably literally like four years apart. Fucking Hollywood, man. Yeah. Yeah. She is. But Laura, I think Reese like, is made to look really, really young in those. Yeah, it, yeah. it is a flashback. Ah, oh, it's a flashback. Yeah, of Reese being like 14. Yeah. Okay. 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 Yeah, yeah. I was like, bloody hell. <laughs> Just because she hasn't had Botox. Yeah. <laughs> look at where we are. <laughs> like, you can play this 40 year old woman's mother. Yeah. I have a funny New York story very quickly. Yeah. Please. I met um, my fake boyfriend, Anthony, from Queer Eyes. Oh, yeah. Real boyfriend in New York. Very good-looking guy. So you just saw him on the street, or you no? Like he was him? Um, coming to hang out with us. We were at a gay bar, ah. and he came and was friends with my friends or something. Okay, nice. Why can I hear music? I think the Acast Christmas party started. <laughs> oh, fucking hell! <laughs> I was like, are you literally playing a Christmas carol right now? <laughs> How? Um, we're recording in our new studio in London, by the way. Yeah, it at is so Acast nice. Studios, and we. Are, like not even being paid to say this, we just love Acast. I know, like, amazing. So they like made us, us a coffee when we got here. Yeah. We felt like felt like make yourselves at home. I know. We feel like I don't know, like Joe Rogan or something here. Probably this, like completely professional setup. Everyone will know because it's the first time they can't hear our laptops about to explode. <laughs> it's, it was hell on earth doing the podcast over I Skype. Know. I actually can't tell everyone how like happy we are that you stuck with us I know sometimes I would be recording and be talking and then my laptop would be like in the background and we'd have to turn it off turn it back on a courier would come to the door it was just yeah. a nightmare yeah um yeah I met his boyfriend but that was just my like and then I, I gave him a hug and I was like tell Anthony I love you and tell you yourself I the opposite of love you and he was like you hate me and I was like yes yes <laughs> how was he is he Amazing. It's just hot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> of course. I love how, like, gay guys usually, in, you know, in photos, when you take a photo with your spouse, mm. you try and, like, you want to look happy and, like, loved up. Mm-hmm. They just want to look hot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's so funny, like, looking at the photos of them together because they're just, like, trying to look the hottest they can possibly Both look. just hot, yeah. As if they just aren't even in a photo together. The other person just doesn't matter. I was like, I want to have that aesthetic moving forward. Yeah, me and you. Yeah. <laughs> um. Uh, but I was listening to Jonathan Van Ness's podcast. I can't even remember what it's called now. But Loved his Cosmo cover. Loved his Cosmo First cover. First UK Cosmo With a male, male cover male, star. Yeah. 
since like I think ever the eighties. They had Boy George, oh. I think, once, but yeah. And I was listening to his podcast and I listened to an episode with Tan France on it. And I kind of thought it was just going to be an episode about them talking crap and, like, mm. chatty. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was really serious and it was about – because Tan's launched this new thing. Um, I can't remember what it's called and he doesn't have it on his Instagram, which is a very bad uh, management. I know. But he, Where's the promotion? It's about, like, loving your skin no matter what color you are. And he talks heaps on this podcast about growing up in England, not in London, but somewhere near Manchester – and about how prevalent racism is still over here. Mm. Um, and he was saying that when he was growing up, it was like so, 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 because he's from, I think he was born in England, but his parents are both from Pakistan and he's a Muslim. And he said that when he was younger, if his parents couldn't walk him to school, he would have to run or try and find an adult that he could stand beside to pretend it was his parents because people like people would come up and kick him and stuff. And mm-hmm. he was like, adults would kick him. Mm-hmm. And then he said that he came back recently, like last year, and said that to his little cousins, like, does that still happen? And they were like, yeah, we still get, like, the shit being out of them trying to go to school. It, it was just so eye-opening and so sad. I was crying when I was listening to it because I was mm-hmm. like, I can't believe. But then it's also, like, one of those things where when you live in these, you know, like, London is the anomaly. And that's mm-hmm. the same in the States where it's, mm-hmm. like, California and New York are so different to what middle america feels and thinks yeah and that's the same in the uk and racism is racism is racism just, is a huge problem in the uk it's like massive. massive yeah hate crime well, that's is like, massive um the megan all the megan markle backlash mm. it's so crazy um so i want to insert which we haven't done in a while but yes. now we have a studio yes. i want to insert a little clip of tan talking about his experiences growing up there was a situation when i was seven was walking to school. This was quite common, but this was just the experience I remember. Um, these kids who were in, I'm going to say college, so probably 18, 19, kicked the shit out of me. And I was seven because I was brown and I didn't run fast enough getting to school. And that's the difference when we talk about uh, people not understanding what it's like to be brown. It's not just, well, I really don't, I don't look like a lot of people that are in, in my town. No, it's it's literally, will I get to school safely as a seven-year-old? Will someone beat me on my way to school purely because I've got brown skin? And I learned this tactic very early on, early on of trying to reason with people. The fact that a seven-year-old has to try and reason with 18-year-olds not to hit him in the face because just because of his skin is disgusting. And that's that was our version of childhood in England. And so I love that I'm I'm from the UK, but having to constantly be aware that you have to stay close to a lady who could protect you is a real sorry state of affairs. And I've got nieces and nephews who at that age, that's too young to be aware of your skin tone. Something I would like to talk about as well is that Finland have just like acquired, <laughs> elected, <laughs> yeah. the youngest female prime minister. I think she's the youngest prime minister in the world, youngest female prime minister. She's 34. Oh, Jacinda. Jacinda's been trumped. <laughs> um, her name is Sanna Marin. And the thing that everyone's kind of freaking out about is like how chilled she's been about being like a woman and such a young woman. And um, they've said that it's because in Finland they are so close to gender parity that every time she gets asked about it, she's like, why are you asking me? Like, because they have 47% female representation in parliament. They elected their first female prime minister in 2003. What? Yeah. So they're like, 
so progressive with it. Um, so I'm just going to read a little bit from the cut about basically everyone in Finland is like, why is everyone else in the world freaking out about this? This <laughs> yeah. is really weird. Um, and they said, a political science professor in Helsinki told the Times that the attention being paid to Marin's gender is jarring simply because women have held significant power in Finland since the 1980s. As she put it, nobody has been calling me when there were young male party leaders. The country elected its first female prime minister in 2003. What's more representative of a shift, she and other experts quoted in the Times said, was the age of the coalition leaders. All but one of the five women are under 34, which signals a desire to put younger people in positions of power. So good. Crazy. So I love that idea that they're so progressive that they keep getting calls from America being like, whoa, like, why is your, <laughs> yeah. why is your prime minister so young and female? And they're like, what are you talking about? Even... um. New Zealand is just so quietly progressive, like the first country mm. in the entire world to allow women to vote. Mm. And then Jacinda, yeah, she's kind of the same. Like she's always just been like, what? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. oh, well, yes, I'm having a baby. What of it? Jeez. <laughs> yes, I'm not married. Do you think she's going to get married in office? Because didn't they get engaged recently? Yeah, I reckon, yeah, I reckon they'll, they're probably planning it now, I would say. <sighs> I haven't got the invite. <laughs> I haven't talked to them in a while. <laughs> Guys, her slide, new address is slide into the DMs. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't know. I'd say so. I'd say they're probably just like slowly planning it, but then she's probably got a bunch of other stuff on her plate. A volcano just exploded in on an <laughs> island in New Zealand. <laughs> it's nuts. <laughs> Sorry, that isn't funny, but you just—it was just like you're like a, you're like Grace. A volcano just exploded. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like she's got it. bigger stuff on her plate. She's got bigger fish to fry. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Okay, we're gonna wrap things up um, and head off, head back to our offices. Um, it is so nice to be back. We've missed you all. We've loved all of your DMs, being like, "When the hell is a new episode?" Um, please keep rate reviewing and subscribing because we see every single one and it makes us excited and please share on instagram stories and yeah share on instagram stories do that please. this week and be like oh my god we're so we're so excited they're back <laughs> this is the best thing that happened to me this week and also on our instagram we're going to start sharing now that we're in the same place a little bit more of what we're actually doing um a little bit more photos of us yeah. what we're reading what we're watching yeah um, so join us on there and there'll also still be hilarious memes exactly yeah nice we like shake up the content a bit shake it you, up yeah you've done such a good job <laughs> i know i need to get a raise i know i'm gonna take over for a bit um see you we love you guys bye bye, bye. hold up what was that Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.